Welcome to the podcast. Uh, as the podcast moves along, it has to evolve like all things do. It has to improve and become better. And you may have noticed that we have a new intro to the podcast. And that's because I had a listener request that I use that piece of audio called Polynesian Fertility Chant. Um, so that's what we did. We're going to use that for our new intro. And if you are a couple that's been trying to conceive, then you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Uh, now then, we have a couple of housekeeping things to do before we move on. Uh, first and foremost, and this, I feel really bad about this. This is something that should not have happened. Um, but during the 15 most influential players, uh, when we got to Geo Fisher who I believe was number nine, or somewhere in there, uh, I just, just kind of had a brain fart and said that he was for the Patriots. He was not. That was a Panthers player. And a little extra sting to that um, slip of my... Uh, slipping, um, a little extra sting to me forgetting that is that that was the only Panthers player on the list and I said that he was a Patriots player, and I never again mentioned what team he played for, so it sounded like there were no Panthers players on the list. That really hurt the Panthers fans, so I'm sorry about that. That is corrected now. Well, it's not corrected in that episode, but I'm correcting it now. I am, I am printing a correction, if you will. So, Geo Fisher, great player, top 15 player, played for the Panthers. Did I just say the right team? Yes, the Panthers. Okay, that's that's one. Now, two, um, I've gotten some feedback on that 15 most influential players, and, and I love it. I'm here for this. This is great. Um, and there were, I got some, some Browns fans. They were maybe a little butthurt about some of the rankings, and, and they had two in particular uh, it was Mark Darden and Lewis Callaway. And I'm going to address both of those because I kind of enjoy doing this. And I'll address Lewis Callaway first because I think this one has a little more merit uh, than the second. So, uh, Lewis Callaway, uh, I was told he went 4 for 4 for Super Bowls. I'm not sure if that's true, although I don't know if I can check it either. Um, he might have gone to five Super Bowls as well. I, I thought the Packers beat the Browns once during the Lewis Callaway years, um, but I'm not certain on that. But e either way, it, it's a well-taken point that highly success successful quarterback, he won a lot and had an excellent record. And I believe he won MVP at least once. Um, set some... He, he uh, really doled out some high yardage seasons a couple of times. And this is all uh, a really good point to bring up. And specifically, it was brought up in regards to Lewis Calloway <clears throat> with his great run with the Browns not even making the top 15. And as compared to Kyler Murray being number three, um, and maybe that's a little high for Kyler Murray. There, there could be an argument for that. And there's also a pretty good argument that Lewis Callaway should be in the top 15 somewhere. 
uh, here is some of the pushback that I've got and some of my explanation. So I like to listen to uh, another, I'm going to recommend another competitor. i got to stop doing this. But I like to listen to occasionally the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. It's an NFL uh, network podcast. And both of those guys were scouts in the NFL. So that's kind of what the podcast is about. It's about scouting and evaluating players, evaluating your own players and your own team. And one of the things they talk about when in regards to quarterbacks is that they don't like it if a quarterback is labeled a game manager because all quarterbacks manage the game. That's their job. That's what they do. Um, so they wanted to find a better way to, to define that kind of phenomenon of people calling quarterbacks game managers. What What's a better way to define this? And they said, is the quarterback a truck or a trailer? Okay, is he? If he's the truck, then he's the engine. He's pulling the rest of the team. If he's the trailer, he's just along for the ride, and the rest of the team's kind of pulling him. So they they start to define this, you know, what this quarterback means to your team as a truck or as a trailer. And so, I would say, with Lewis Callaway. Uh, at least a couple of those Super Bowls that he won, when you think about the playoff runs the Browns went on uh, during that time, was he a truck or a trailer? Now, I would submit that at least two of those years, he was most definitely a trailer because those Browns team were completely leaning on the running game, had great defenses as well, but particularly offensively, at least in the playoffs, maybe not in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they won those Super Bowls by pounding the football. Uh, in fact, it was I even joked with one of the Browns executives that Lewis Callaway had become Trent Dilfer um, because it really seemed like that's what he was, he was doing. He was just handing the ball off, uh, even as a 99 overall quarterback with a bazooka arm. Um, I think one of those Super Bowls, in fact, I think there was a Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game that year. Both games, he had less than 10 attempts. Um, I might be wrong on that, but it was very low numbers on the number of passes he was throwing. My point is, he wasn't the guy making it happen for the Browns at that time. Um, He certainly played well during the regular season, and there were games here and there where he did, but overall bringing the championships to Cleveland, I wouldn't say it was Lewis Callaway doing that, as opposed to Kyler Murray was. He he was really the driving factor uh, for those Patriots teams early in the franchise. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think it, it's definitely fair to say Kyler Murray's third, Lewis Callaway's not even on the list. Fair critique, uh, and I take it as such. And I I think I represented both sides fairly well here. Uh, The second one, Mark Darden, uh, who was the third player, or not the third, fourth player on this list. uh, Very high up on the list. And I I don't know if Browns fans thought he should have been higher, or if they were just unhappy that Miles Garrett was higher than him. And I will stand by this one. Mark Darden was a great player, and that's why he's on the list. I mean, he's number four. He's in the top five. Um, Great skill set. Very versatile player. Um, But his main claim to fame is 
extremely high legacy score, which of course he got because he was on a Browns team that was winning tons of championships, and he was on it for a very long time. And uh, 220-some sacks over the course of his career, um, which is first, and it's ahead of Miles Garrett's 203, or Miles Garrett's right around 200 career sacks. Um, those are the two big things that that put his legacy score up really high and put him up really high as a Hall of Famer. And um, I, I talked a little bit about what I thought of the sacks by the Browns players um, in the last podcast when I talked about that list. And I, I want to expand on that just a little bit more. That Just think about it this way. How many of Mark Darden's 220 career sacks did he have to defeat a block to earn? As opposed to just about anybody else on that list. I mean, if you've got a player just coming free right at a quarterback, I could put my fourth string corner at outside linebacker, and if I can get him free into the backfield every time, He's going to get eight sacks every time I play a user game against the computer. Now, sure, he had to play against Mahomes and uh, Lamar Jackson in his division for a number of years, so it wasn't always easy to bring those guys down. And sure, he wasn't playing just four games against the computer AI every year. Uh, there were plenty of games against other players, too. Um, but nonetheless, I think a lot of his stats can be credited more to the Browns coaching staff um, than to him as a player. And maybe that's unfair, but nonetheless, that's the way I see it, and I stand by that because I think I think that's an accurate perception of it. Um, still a great player. Like I said, he's, he's number four on the list, and and I think that's exactly the right place for him. So this was fun. I like debating, maybe not necessarily these things, but I just like debating in general. And, you know, I like, I like taking on people's uh, arguments and, and countering them and examining them and all of that. Uh, if any of Browns fans or, or whoever feel like I mischaracterized uh, their critiques, then maybe they need to submit feedback directly to the podcast so that I don't have to try to explain their position for them. So, uh, that's, well, that was about, uh, 10 minutes covering that. So that's enough of that. Uh, I would certainly look forward to, to more feedback on that top 15 if people have thoughts, but, um, after that, we will move on to some game recaps. So right here at the end of the season, we had a whole cluster of head to head user games happened in the last three weeks. Uh, so there's a lot to cover, and I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on each of these games. Um, some of them were kind of meaningless, really. Uh, week 15, we had the Chiefs at the Patriots, and this was a New England 23-20 victory. Uh, once again, these Chiefs and Patriots games, they're blacked out, so they're not on television. Uh, so I don't know what happened. Obviously, nice close game. Um, Probably would have been fun to watch, 
it looks like the Chiefs did miss a field goal at one point in this game, so that really came back to bite them uh, when they're losing it by three. Uh, Lamar Thornhill had two touchdowns and four interceptions. Whew. Um, but still a, a high passer rating because he had uh, 14 yards per attempt, basically. And Andrew West had two touchdowns, two interceptions. So both quarterbacks uh, moving the ball, scoring, but also throwing interceptions. And I just grew bored talking about this uh, because we didn't get to see it. Uh, However, in these Chiefs-Patriots games, I am working on trying to get a correspondent that will be at the game, since I can't watch them, uh, to report on them for us. And I I really hope that we're able to work out that, work out the contract and everything, because I think that would be really great. That would be great content be great reporting to let us know what's going on in those games. So that's, uh, excuse me, that's uh, Patriots' victory over the Chiefs. This really was kind of the beginning of the dooming of the Chiefs' playoff chances. Uh, Also, they had a couple of guys get injured in this game. I think it was Irvin Burney and JT Hughes both got injured. Uh, So when your top receiver and your stud running back both go down, that really hurts your chances for the end of the year. Uh, what else did we have? Week 16, we had Patriots and Browns. Uh, Patriots had three games in a row at the end of the year against users. And this was a 31-14 victory for Cleveland. And I'm going to be honest, I don't remember anything about this game. So let's look at the stats real quick. Uh, Evan Lane played well, three touchdowns, one interception. Lamar Thornhill, one touchdown, four interceptions. A lot, of, yeah. Now it's coming back to me. A lot of interceptions by the Patriots. Man, I, I don't know what Thornhill was seeing out there. Um, and, and good running game for the Patriots. 131 yards for Eli Keys, uh, and I think Deshaun Harrington was hurt in that game, so Keys came in and and spelled him and provided. Um, uh, quite the lift for them. And for the Browns, Michael Sharp had 170 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and the Browns continue to really hurt people with the screen passes. Um, they they execute those really, really well. And that's, uh, you know, that's something you got to watch out for if you play them. And I'm not sure how you deal with it. Screen passes aren't really a thing that you think about needing to practice for. But the Browns have been pretty effective with it. So, uh, yeah, 31-14 victory for the Browns in Week 16. Was there another user game this week? No. So, Week 17, we had the Browns and Chiefs. And um, this was a pretty cool game, I thought. It was a 10-7 Cleveland victory. It was just close all the way through. Uh, really, a defensive struggle, and um, you know, three touchdown or three turnovers, excuse me, by the Chiefs, and four by the Browns. So a lot of you know turning the ball over, throwing it to the other team. Uh, both quarterbacks struggled quite a bit uh, with C in the defense, and so that that's why it was a low scoring game. Uh, Irvin Bernie. Uh, 42 yards. He was back from uh, injury, and 
Uh, Tavon Rucker had 32 yards. Both those guys had a touchdown for uh, the Browns and the Chiefs. And then <clears throat> Tavon Rucker averaged 20 yards a catch on screen passes. So again, look out for those screen passes with the Browns. And uh, one note, the Chiefs slot corner still really struggling to defend slot receivers. Uh, they need an upgrade there pretty bad. Uh, the Chiefs were still in playoff contention by the skin of their teeth uh, when this game started. And they could, I think it was a possibility they could have won their division at 8-8, eight and eight, but uh, this ended their season. And they'll be picking, I don't remember, 12th or something like that. And then the last game uh, of the week, and in fact, of the regular season, the Packers and Patriots, both these teams, their playoff spots were already pretty much set. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think the Patriots put many guys on the bench. Um, the Packers benched all their main starters, certainly all their veteran starters, uh, went with a backup quarterback. I don't even remember his name. And, um, backup running back named Kiefer Cornick and the Packers really dominated this is 31-14 victory against the Patriots. The Patriots got a couple of long pass plays where they they beat the Packers when the Packers were kind of gambling. Uh, but other than that, it was really tough for the Patriots to get any kind of consistent offense going. It really hurt that they didn't have Deshaun Harrington at running back in this game. Uh, and the the Packers played smothering defense and really controlled the ball offensively ran it really well uh through three touchdowns to tight ends if i remember right uh so really old school west coast kind of game for the packers and they ended up with the one seed and i think the patriots still had the one seed too so what in, ends up happening is we go into the playoffs with um, the chiefs out and the other four teams all have buys. So, and in fact, the uh, wild card and divisional rounds are over now. So we're going to have uh, Browns and Patriots. And the Browns are three and a half point favorites there. And we're going to have Packers and Panthers once again. And the Packers are one and a half point favorites there. And I think that's all I'm going to say as far as previews go. Looking forward to those games. This is the way it should be. These games should be uh, user games for the AFC and NFC Championship games and then for the Super Bowl as well. That's the way it should be. You know, it, it's no fun to uh, play a divisional game against one of the users and then it's kind of anticlimactic to then play against the computer for the championship game. So glad we're seeing that. Looking forward to those matchups. And we'll see what happens. And lastly, we have player development news. Uh, only one player, actually. Um, but it is a Cleveland Brown. It is Joel Sermons. Uh, that is the number two wide receiver for the Browns. He became an X-Factor receiver. And... Week 15, I think it was. Uh, Third-year player. 
became an X-Factor. His X-Factor in the zone ability is rack him up, which means run after catch receivers, fight for every possible yard after making a catch. When they enter to the zone, this ability increases their success rate on rack catches against single coverage. Got to be honest, I don't really know what this one means. Um, I mean, rack means run after catch, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I don't know what a rack catch is. Is that a catch where he catches it on the run? And then what's the success rate? Is it success catching it or success breaking a tackle after he catches it? I don't know. Um, maybe nobody does. But either way, it sounds cool. It sounds like something that would be really useful. I like getting yards after the catch with the receiver. Uh, he's got superstar abilities of in and out elite, uh, which means he's better at routes going in and routes going out. And he's also got wide receiver apprentice, which is really handy. This is one of, the, I think, the better abilities. Uh, this is This means that he has expanded hot routes. So if you're audibling to a new route with him, he has more options than other players have. And that one, like I said, that's one of my favorite abilities. Uh, I would like to have that for all my receivers or my quarterback. Um, so that's going to be really useful for the Browns going forward. And hit, in order to get this, <laughs> in order to get this uh, advancement in his development trait. Sermons put up 16 catches for 500 yards and seven touchdowns in the game. So glad to see that the computer is providing an appropriate challenge for the Browns there. Um, that's going to be it for this podcast. Um, next one we'll go over awards. That'll probably trigger some player developments and and probably whatever happened in the postseason, we'll be going over that. So until next time.